Okay, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit, and I'm <laughs> Dr. Lisa. How you guys doing? Did did you miss me last week? You know what? I was I went to Mexico City by myself. That's right. I ditched I ditched my husband and I went by myself. There were a bunch of art fairs. I went to five art fairs. Uh, it was, it was, I, and you know what? It was really liberating because I think it's really important, ladies, ladies, don't, don't let people take over your life. Make sure you can travel and do shit by yourself, no matter what, and prove it, you know, because if you don't do it regularly, you could wind up being like too dependent on some idiot guy and then your life will suck. Okay. It's that simple, isn't it? And then I just want to say thanks to Christopher Albert last week, the host of the Junk and Jam Hour, because he filled in for me. I'm going to post his show, and it was really good. He actually took this therapy idea pretty seriously, and I learned some stuff from listening to it about therapy. Listening, So thank you, Christopher. Lovely, lovely uh, RFB host. Um, I have a great guest here today, uh, somebody who I am really like honored to have, Adrian Truscott, who's an incredible performer. I'm, so stick around. I'm going to get to that in a minute, but I got to tell you about our fundraising drive, okay, because this is super important. Folks, we need money. We need money bad. I mean, seriously, like we're on, this is, this is not, this isn't, this isn't funny. This is not funny. Uh, but we are making it easy for you to donate because we have this great drive to five fundraising campaign for, because we're going to be five in May, five years that we, that, and I, I, I'm a founding member. I've been doing this for fucking five years. This is my 224th show. Can you believe that? So anyway, um, I would love it if you would go to Radio Free Brooklyn, uh, dot org slash drive to five and you know what if you donate money we have these really amazing t-shirts i designed the one that that looks like the chanel bottle but there's some really great t-shirts if you donate money so okay now now back to the important stuff my guest adrian <laughs> truscott so um i'm going to tell you a little bit about her and then i'm going to put her we're going to get right to her um adrian is an incredible artist, performer. She has synthesized uh, a huge variety of skills. She is able, she's a choreographer, a circus acrobat, a dancer, writer, storyteller, and comedian. I'm serious, folks. She has really been able to put all these skills together and come up with amazing shows that are well, first of all, very smart, very thoughtful, but also really fucking entertaining and really, really funny. And um, I just I I saw um, a recent show of of, of yours, mm-hmm. a, a boar, right? A, wild boar. Wild boar. Yeah. Wild boar. I'm like trying to remember. But it was hilarious. This is why I thought of asking her. on. I was like, I have to have this person on. So it's basically about, I'm going to, she, 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 she can tell you, but it's, um, mm-hmm. theater critics out of, um, you know, like at a dais and they each have microphones like theater critics, but they're actually like talking asses. And I mean like literally real asses. And it was just so brilliant and so hilarious. 
And I can't say enough good things. I really, it's really hard for me to communicate because her work is very, very, um, so you original. So, but she has won a bunch of, she's got a lot of credentials and I just want to put them out there and then I'm going to turn it over to her. Okay. Just cause she's mm-hmm. not going to brag the way I, about her, the way I am going to brag about her. So she's won these, she was one of the first recipients ever of the, uh, Doris Duke Impact Artist Award, the uh, 2017 Foundation for Contemporary Arts grantee. She won a huge award at, um, I have this written down, the, oh, the Comedy Award Panel Prize, uh, which is huge in Edinburgh. And she's also, here's some more stuff. She's also taught, like, Here's stuff you, she's taught at Wesleyan Dance Department, Sarah Lawrence College Theater and Dance Department and Yale University. I can't, you know, look it up yourself, folks. She's like really <laughs> killed it. So hi, Adrian. Hi, Lisa. I'm like a quintuple non-threat. <laughs> <laughs> that's very, that's very funny. That's very funny and, and very self, you know, deprecating. But um, can you, Okay. So can you kind of like put it more gracefully than I have what your what your work is what your work is and what it's about and the skills that you employ can you tell us Sure um I guess like I learned to I learned officially like how to make performance as a choreographer from some really amazing people and um and so, so you studied dance. So I studied dance and choreography at Wesleyan with mm-hmm. some really amazing teachers. And I also studied with Deborah Hay, who's a performance maker mm-hmm. um, from Judson Church era days. Oh, wow. Um, so you so, went to college and you were like, I'm going to be a dancer? Yeah. I mean, I did the like, I'll move to New York and we'll see what happens for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and I guess like since 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 then, I, I did start making dance pieces originally that were very much using like people who weren't necessarily trained dancers, a lot of pedestrian stuff. Um, And then over time, I feel like I I still stick with live performance as my favorite version of art making. Mm -hmm. And what is, but I think part Mm -hmm. of the reason I've, I have so many, I've been in so many different disciplines as sort of different as circus or stand up comedy is because I just get ideas and then the ideas sort of tell me what might be the most interesting way to play them out. Mm-hmm. And if it's, you know, if it's stand up comedy, even though I didn't like do stand up, that doesn't, that doesn't, hey, that doesn't obliterate. Yeah. That doesn't obliterate it as an option. And I find that like switching context is really, is a really fun way to figure out things and get new things out of performance and also a way to survive. Mm -hmm. So what kind of influence did you have like growing up? Was it dance? Was it, you know, like what kind of, what, what mediums were you like, what were your interests like in high school? What did you do? I was, I was always a really deeply physical person. Like I was, as a kid, I was always like, you know, flipping over the couch as Mm -hmm. a way of like, um, getting through the living room or whatever, um, climbing trees, all of that stuff, um, which explains to me why I did like sports and gymnastics and dance. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as an as an older person looking back, I also know that like I I think I grew up in a family where um it wasn't that easy for me to speak out or up or at, or at all. Did you feel silenced? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I think there was, was it- there were a lot of other people talking and so maybe my form of expression took something silent which then became physical. Oh, oh, that's so interesting. So in order to like have your voice, in order to like make it work with your family, you had to do something besides use your literal voice to get attention. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I think I think it was more like in order to make it work for me, I was more like, I'll just go over here and do this. Oh, so you would say you would express yourself, but in your own way by yourself or something like that. Yeah. But you, you weren't part of the theater group or anything like that. No, like my my best friend and I put on, you know, living room shows with a mm-hmm. with with a with with a degree of rigor and commitment, mm-hmm. um, regardless of attendance. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so there was mm-hmm. always that little spark of like, uh-huh. would this be a funny or absurd thing to do? And I did. I have to say, even as a kid, the the choice, the bold choices I may be known for now were present very early on. Oh, really? Yeah. Like I always thought it was funny to run through a room naked. Still do. Really? Yeah. Like what? what like cheap in, thrills to like. I mean, like at a party or with your family. Or yeah. Yeah. All like of I did. That? Yeah, a little bit. Like uh, I remember one time there was a my um, father was a professor and he had students over. It was the seventies. There were you know like very exotic looking people to me ladies smoking pipes and a guitar was about to come out. Mm. And then I got sent to bed and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. How can I have to go to bed now? And, um, and I took that opportunity to do like a quick streaking routine. And I don't know if that was like, you mean, so you came out naked and your dad was teaching or had these students over and you just ran out into like the living room naked. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I did cool. a dance. It wasn't like I uh, just, you know, like I did a little, I did what I thought was a number. You gave them something. <laughs> kind was, of knowing that was, I would be escorted immediately back to my and room. How did your, <laughs> how did your dad react to that? I think my dad probably laughed. Like, I don't really remember. Oh. I, I know my mother was like, right into bed. You're supposed to be to bed. Wait, they so I think I got a laugh. So they weren't Jesus, horrified so. and punished. They didn't, they didn't go like, you're naked again. What's wrong with right, you? No. Oh it my God. It wasn't that. You didn't horrify. <laughs> so you had some level of, you know, there was some understanding there or appreciate. There was a little bit of appreciation. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Something. That's, I mean, I yeah. think that's pretty fucking cool. My parents would, I would have been like, you know, sent to a boarding. I don't know what. Yeah. I mean, I also, with my friend that we made, uh, we did a, she she moved into a house that had a pool one summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we thought like, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, it's like when Cirque du Soleil did their water show. We were like, oh, my gosh, this opens up whole new, <laughs> whole new field of opportunities. And I remember really and I think we were like seven or eight, you know, maybe just at that age where it's not just cute mm-hmm. to be a little naked girl. But we thought it still was. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have matching outfits. And of course, we didn't have a budget to accomplish that. And it, I remember it really striking me like, if we don't wear anything, we'll match. And, <laughs> and that seemed important enough. Yeah. 
that, that was sense. really it wasn't like it'll be hilarious to pop out naked at the time that was that felt like a considered artistic decision but it was it, you know it was the neighbors and her parents were kind of like jesus christ i think that was the first time i felt like i might be inappropriate so oh di- oh that cuz of the cuz the reaction it was you not got quite, it wasn't so they, appreciated they didn't, they didn't like get it <laughs> they no. didn't get it no. But, you know, it's interesting because um, I think, I mean, it seems to me the way you use nudity now, it's not in a sexual context. It's in sort of a practical or pragmatic yeah. or to make a certain point. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, which is, so you were, you were on to that pretty young. What kind of student, like, were you a good kid in high school? Did you get good grades? Did you take drugs? Were you bad, good, in between? What kind of, what uh, kind of kid? Um, I was a shy kid, but a good kid. I mm-hmm. did, um, I did sports and sometimes, you know, got the, got awards at oh. the end of the season. I generally got straight A's oh. up until high school. And then I was, I was still pretty, I was still a good student, but I have to, I went to a really, you know, one of those high schools that seems like a good high school and it's fucking awful. I mean, maybe that's um, yeah, just all sure. high schools, but yeah. really bad. And I actually feel like it it made me dumb. Oh, for, really? Yeah, I think I came out of high school considerably less um, connected to, you know, like I, it wasn't, it just wasn't really celebrated. So I got into sports more. Oh, you mean because they weren't, intele- teachers, there wasn't a lot of intellectual oh God, no. curiosity. You seem I like mean, you've always been very intellectually curious. Did you read a lot and stuff like that? Yeah. And I do think I was, I think that's what I remembered realizing sometime after I left high school, like something crushed my intellectual curiosity. Ooh, interesting. Um, and I, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it was that um, school <laughs> that I went to. So you went to Wesleyan mm-hmm. and then did that. That's a really good school. And your father was a professor there, right? Yeah. Before I went to Wesleyan, I went to American University oh, that's also on a field school. hockey scholarship. Wow. So I really, I chased a ball for three years. Wow. And then dropped out um, after three years when I was supposed to just like go back and be what? the captain of the field hockey wow. team. Wow. What happened there? Um, all kinds of th- life changing things, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and then also just like accidents. I sort of like, I think some plans I made to try to have a cool summer fell through and I ended up, um, spending the summer actually in Middletown, Connecticut, but not, but it wasn't my plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met a lot of Wesleyan students there, which gave oh. Gave me a view very different from being like a faculty brat. Oh. Um, and I also started, I got a job teaching at a, like a very sort of bread and puppet type circus. Oh. And that, I feel like that was a real turning point of like, I met oh. these sort of, you know, dancer, really smart, amazing people mm. from Wesleyan and then loosely connected to Wesleyan through this circus. And I think mm-hmm. it was that moment that I sort of thought like, if I go back to college and chase a ball for one more year, that's mm-hmm. it for me. <laughs> but if I drop out, it's going to be mm-hmm. major. I may never be able to afford to finish mm-hmm. because I was on a scholarship. Right. But I feel like if I don't stay with these, with whatever, you know, just right. turned me on here. Um, in hindsight, I will also say I didn't, 
I would never have clocked this at the time, but it was also um, about a year after I had been raped. And I understand now that that kind of upheaval, you know, I'm dropping out of college. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just going to go here and there and everywhere is, uh, you know, for those of us lucky enough to go to college and unlucky enough to have been assaulted, that kind of, you know, the bottom dropping out and you think you're making decisions about, you know, right. like college or maybe I'll teach circus one day, which it turns out, <laughs> but, you know, but actually <laughs> really the, the, the changes are coming from this like landscape of trauma that you don't really understand. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to underestimate the impact. Yeah. that could could possibly have. Sorry, was that too much? No, 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 okay. no, no. We're gonna. I'm yeah. gonna have to. Okay. I mean, we'll as, circle back. I'm gonna have to ask you about it, of course. <laughs> um, I just meant for your no audience. No. Oh, my audience. No, okay. No, they're All fucking right. crazy people. Okay. They have no boundaries. I have no boundaries. I mean, yeah. That's one thing we must have in common. So, the thing is, is that um, I'm thinking about like the kind of women that you must have been around as an athlete and then like they probably weren't your people. And then so naturally you would have been drawn to the people who like, I could see how circus people would Mm -hmm. suit you so well Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of intelligent people. You know, the founder of the station graduated from clown college. Oh really? Tom Tenney. Did you know that? You know Tom? I I don't know no, him, you know but I know name. the name. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of very, you know, mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. So um, that's bad that you were raped. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't ideal. <laughs> so um, be, so let's just find out about that. Sure. So uh, okay, we're talking like your senior year in college. How? Just tell you know if it's. An, since, Since brought I brought it, it let's up. hear it. Let, no, well, I mean, well, one of the things that I did want to ask you today was about your feelings about men, because here's what I want you guys to know, people, is that I personally think that Adrian has like such an awesome, uh, positive view about being female. Uh, it's very, it's very, I don't want to say liberated but she she you're very um i find a lot of women you 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 are very i think very perceptive or you get to the heart of things about uh feminism or how women about men and women and you get you're very direct about it and you're very funny about it and i think that your voice is very honest and it doesn't you're you're very neutral about sexuality i think in the way mm-hmm. that it's something that we all do but s- sexual currency isn't part of what you're selling like you're yeah. you're naked but you're not trying to be sexy mm-hmm. not that you aren't <laughs> and i i personally really appreciate that that type of um, attitude, but so I was, wanted to ask you a lot about your feelings about sexuality. But so that is something that I just want my listeners to know, even though I didn't wasn't very articulate about it. It is a very interesting and very um, uh, forthright and smart way to present yourself as a woman. I think you do a great, 
great, great job of that. And I don't see enough of that, frankly. So I really respect you that way. So, um, yeah. So let's hear about the rape. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I could put it in a, in a context jumping off of what you were just talking about, which is, I feel like, you know, I, I, I had an awareness as a young, from the youngest age I can think of, of being not male in the world. Huh. I had a lot of examples. I mean, I think anybody who's not male or male presenting has a lot of examples that keep telling them you're, you're not this, you don't get this power, you don't get this. And so I think, um, and my body was part of the ways I learned that like mm-hmm. as an athlete, as a mm-hmm. dancer, as a gymnast, as a person who was really strong, but still. I was going to say that. Do you think that your your interest, your talent in sports made you much more aware of your body and the, the way that it was like limited, say, from or or or, you know, separated from being a male body? Do you function different? You know, didn't have yeah. the strength of a man or. I mean, you, you know, you probably a lot of this stuff is stuff I would still I'm still unpacking because mm-hmm. I know that I've always found strength and confidence in what my body can do when mm-hmm. I am in charge of what it can do. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't I still don't entirely understand, um, you know, how I'm also a person who found myself in the scenario where I was, you know, mm-hmm. my body was totally trespassed right um, did, did you compete did did you did you have feelings about competing with men in sports that you could or couldn't was that part of yes. what what were your feelings about that i mean i i was i played sports because i loved sports and i and i i definitely have like that version of a competitive streak and i did gymnastics because i loved all of what you could do i liked mm-hmm. flipping i liked flying mm-hmm. and balancing and mm-hmm. Um, but I was a really tiny kid and super strong just Mm -hmm. because like I was doing literally a hundred chin-ups at the behest of the mad witch that was our gymnastics coach, a pretty horrible woman. But, um, so I was really strong and wiry, but I was tiny and I got, you know, I did get like bullied a lot and thrown around a lot Mm -hmm. in school and that sort of thing. And at the same time, I was like, I, I was a really fast runner. I had this like mm-hmm. upper body strength that most, I guess, girls, you know, aren't uh, encouraged to have. And I, I remember sometimes when I would like beat boys in a cl- in a race, uh, I would get punished for it rather huh. than celebrate it. And, or and- my teachers would make excuses out loud for the boys so that they didn't feel weird about being beat uh, beaten by a girl. Oh. But at the same time, you so yeah, like I mean, I also remember I I organized a kickball strike amongst the girls in the sixth grade because I was mad that we weren't being that it wasn't an option for us to be team captains, especially since we were some of us were much better than some of the boys in the class. Oh wow, that I mean, that's... in sixth grade, so I, I clearly had issues around like. Well, that makes Dealing me so it. angry just hearing about <laughs> it. That, that's a level. That's a level of repression that I never even. I'm not athletic enough to have even endured. That's terrible. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's terrible I, and also predictable and average yeah, behavior, it makes right? Sense. But yeah. Um, so, but I did. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I mean by like since a, from a very young age, I had a sensitivity 
to yeah. that, that well, you, those perceptions of, of sort of, you know, injustice with a small eye around gender. Right. So you were in those situations yeah. because of your, your talent, really. Yeah. So um, then what happened? <laughs> uh, I spent, uh, I think I spent, a, you know, a few years trying to be adventurous and make adventurous mm-hmm. choices about mm-hmm. how I spent you know, my time and my summers in between college. And on one summer, um, I I did not grow up with tons of um, sort of a sustained um, custodial attention. So, so you were, you were monitored myself. closely? Were no. you monitored? Well, you were, because you're no trouble. You were a good student. Yeah, a good you were kid. athletic. You were winning scholarships. Yeah. No problem. I didn't, no one had to think about you. Yeah. I get it. Like my last two years of high school, I kind of lived by myself because um, my um, it, uh, it's a little bit complicated, but my mom mm-hmm. got offered a good job. Your parents got divorced. Yeah. Right? So yeah. It was just my mo- yeah. So I had a single yeah. mom mm-hmm. and she got offered a job that took her away a little bit more than might be. So she had to travel entirely and she trusted you and left you alone. Yeah. Which was yeah. maybe not who not, knows? Yeah, not, but that's where she was. Yeah, that's where she and was so, at. Anyway, what the you know, mm-hmm. I the um the circumstances around me being assaulted. And, wait, let me just. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like when she left you alone, would she travel for like a week at a time? Are we talking overnight? Are we talking a month? Um, variations on all of that. Like maybe a month, like she a, would leave you. No, like she would come back on the weekends and. You know, she well, you'd sort be, of was you'd working. be home Monday through Friday alone without yeah. your mom. That's a yeah. lot. That's a lot for weeks at a time. Yeah, I don't know. Calling child services. No, no, no. You can't say that. <laughs> um, that would be upsetting to my mom. Ah, uh, well, you I don't know, think I'm, I'm, well, was, you know me. I'm a fake yeah. shrink, and I'm just judgmental. Yeah. No, no, no. I, yeah, I. Think. I mean, I. I mean, look, you, <laughs> yeah. you got a scholarship. Obviously, no harm done there. Yeah. So anyway, you had some time. Yeah. She wasn't and around all so the time. So I I don't think I always had the best um I don't I don't always have Wait. the best decision making at my at my disposal mm-hmm. and uh but anyway, uh, that said, kids, kids get into trouble I a was lot having, with or without their parents around. I spent a very what I thought I I went to Martha's Vineyard and was having what felt like a very independent, exciting, brand new, adventurous mm-hmm. summer and one of the participants in that <laughs> had his own adventure mm. and uh um so it was yeah. somebody you knew yeah not very well but somebody you knew it was somebody that you had to see again uh a, t- a tiny bit but i split like uh, so I, after that happened, i wasn't really left? naming it as that but i yeah like i left within like the martha's vineyard and went on a weird journey for like yeah did you tell anybody? Did you talk about it? Mm-mm. Not for a long time. So the, there were no consequences to the boy? No. Whatsoever? No. And did you process it or were you just like, I have to get out of here? Um, I, I just did, I have to get out of here. But like, I, you know, I can recognize, I, I knew in the moment that this was not like a, I was not leaving by choice, like shit had gone down, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't naming it that. Mm -hmm. But like I, you know, I didn't, I was waitressing and painting houses 
I went to those jobs, you know, and then had my bag packed. I ran out on my rent. So you, you kind know, of just like left I just immediately, yeah. like the next day or something like that, yeah. really quickly. Yeah. And did you feel guilty? Did you blame yourself or did were you mad? Do you have any idea or were you just numb? I think I was numb. Mm-hmm. I didn't blame myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't blame myself. I I don't know. I, it, yeah, it's it, it's um, I certainly don't blame myself. From this Why? vantage of point, yeah, um, I hope so. I think I may, I maybe otherwise you're gonna have to come back for like ever. <laughs> yeah, I maybe felt like a bit dumb, you know, mm-hmm. at, at the time, and mm-hmm. I definitely felt utterly um, dislodged. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I like walked in the dark to one of the ferries, like with my bag, and was like, I, wow. I'm out. Like it's, it's like I knew some things, like. Nothing that happened here is okay, and it all needs to be over, so I'm going somewhere else. Wow. But, like, where the somewhere else was going to be was a little up for grabs at first. Where? And, where, where? <laughs> well, I actually ended up going on a six-week cross-country trip. Like, in a car? In or? a car, yeah, with s- an ex-boyfriend. Oh, yeah, I definitely did like some like somebody save me moments. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't. It didn't occur to me to go home to my family. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow uh, that felt. I think. I think going. Uh, I think going on. I mean, it, it all felt uh, very of my age. You know, I was nineteen, yeah, so right. everything was dramatic anyway. Yeah, of course. That was certainly dramatic and traumatic. Um, Did you tell? And the- I, I think the the ex-boyfriend happened to be driving cross country. He uh-huh. didn't, he didn't know what had happened to oh, me, you didn't tell him. but he suddenly was like, do you want to come on this trip? And I think that certainly felt like a victory, you know, like, yes, mm-hmm. I do. I would much rather, uh-huh. I would rather go and sort of kid myself that I was leaving something that wasn't cool to go on an amazing cross country trip across Very- America Felt much more triumphant, yeah. Than you know, going yeah. going home and dealing with what had just happened to me. I I mean I I I find that personally personally I find that very impressive. Like you didn't crawl curl up in a ball, you know. You went out and like did something really like proactive, and you know you probably you had no no one no one in your position has the tools to process that. At yeah, all. And I, like so, I didn't have any like, money. What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, good job. <laughs> so was yeah. that? Is do you did that change? That sounds like a life altering experience. Yeah, and and do you do you see how it? Do you are you are there specific ways that you see it affected you, or does it? Yeah, yeah? I think you know. I think uh, in the. I mean, it affected me on every single level, I mm-hmm. think, of who of who I am and who I would become. Um, it has provided probably all of, you know, a number of the struggles or limitations in my life, as well as maybe some of the reasons that I've uh, gone on to find ways of expressing myself. What, um, do, you, what do you mean by struggles and limitations? Um, I think that, you know... Th- trauma affects different people in so many different Mm. ways and also in so many similar ways Mm -hmm. that I think we're finally 
really starting to learn about in a way that is spreading into me some kind of Mm -hmm. eventual mainstream understanding Mm -hmm. of like, Mm -hmm. you know, I think um, Christine Blasey Ford giving the world the phrase the hippocampus and just like understanding, you know, how long it can take different different brains and bodies to accommodate and process that information. Some of us don't do it until we can, you know, some like I feel like I did a lot of things to make uh, my life a life I wanted to live. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and like a life that would make me happy. And then once that was established, there was space for me to process that more. Uh-huh. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but I, yeah. but I, you know, that was something that I, I did, but I also know, you know, the unbelievably s- sad, difficult polar opposite of that mm-hmm. where People are mm-hmm. utterly paralyzed and, you know, they say we, some of us like stop developing at the age of our trauma. Yeah. You I know, mean, like imagining totally like not even realizing that on some level you're still 19. Oh yeah. I mean, I, and I, it makes I a lot feel of like sense. It's certainly like the empathy I have for people who've gone through that or other traumas that are of that nature or that level. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think there's when I say so when I say things like limitations, like I think some of the stuff I'm not good at in terms of organizing my life or Mm -hmm. eliminating chaos from my life comes from that. And and I think a lot of people who have been through stuff like that have things that are perceived as personality traits, you know, like, oh, like you forget your keys or you never know where your phone is or you can't show up to things on time. And I think a lot of that is, you know, a lot of that. Do you think you changed? I mean, were you somebody that like knew where your keys were? And then after that, you, you didn't? No, I never did. And I still don't know where my keys are. I mean, I mean, that seems like that's some, something that maybe you had, you were anyway, or what, what, uh, um, I mean, maybe. I guess in my case, maybe one begot the other a little bit. Like mm-hmm. there was a lot of chaos for me growing up and a lot of dislocation and and living different places and not always knowing who to trust and who not to trust mm-hmm. um, around the adult, some of the uh, extracurricular adults in my life. Right. Um, so, but, so when when you were growing up, yeah. So this kind of cemented problem. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what I was going to ask you really was about trust. Like, did it hurt you trusting men, people, people, men? Uh, probably. It's not something mm-hmm. I don't really. I, it's not something I. I don't really experience that particular mm-hmm. and like, you are unwillingness just, to trust or unwillingness to and, open up. Obviously. And she's in, I just want you guys to know, she's in like a long-term uh, healthy relationship. You do a lot of work with your part, your yeah. partner and mm-hmm. a, a man. A man. A guy, a, yeah. dude. a dude. So a nice like, dude. you know, she, she, she's she got it together. Um, But it must have made you feel vulnerable in a way, or I'm guessing it made you feel vulnerable in a way, especially somebody who's so physically confident as, mm. you know, has earned that physical confidence in a way that you might not have felt before. 
Maybe. I think it was probably more confusing because it didn't match with, you know, being someone that that could happen to Mm -hmm. didn't match with the version of a of a person I was trying to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think I don't know. I I do feel like getting into performance and making work has been a huge um, without always making work that was explicitly about dealing with that. I Mm -hmm. do think that like. Mm -hmm performing on a stage in front of an audience is a way of being in charge of how your body and your behavior are mm-hmm. deployed on your own mm-hmm. terms. Mm-hmm. That's all, That's you know, speaks to a bigger, a bigger project that that's not unrelated. Yeah. To that. Yeah. And um, I could see how that was sort of forming in you naturally and that what it's like another thing yeah. that added in into the mix. But I do think that like there's so much um, messaging in your in your work. And I, I am really curious to know more about what what you are like the themes that you are conveying and and, mm. and where if you know where they're coming from and what what you're what you're putting what you what you are, you know, trying to convey. Mm-hmm. You talk. Um, I, yeah, I, I think I, I try to convey different things at different times and with different genres, but, um, certainly the the last couple of pieces I've made, um, are more explicitly about gender politics. Mm -hmm. Um, the show I made Adrian Truscott's asking for it, Mm -hmm. um, was a stand-up comedy Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. rape, which was Mm -hmm. a little bit of a. It was really funny. Why don't you explain it quickly? Yeah, uh, I just I had the idea that it would be a um, I mean, this was back in 2013. Mm -hmm. So like pre Nanette, pre, you know. Yeah. uh, And I I think it just felt like a clever trick. Mm -hmm. Like I was a huge hit. I would like to, you know, rage about some things that I don't hear talked about or I hear talked about in such incorrect and ridiculous terms Mm -hmm. that I want to say something, but I also am smart enough to know that like women railing against stuff don't always, are not always heard. And Mm -hmm. I thought like, I like being funny. I like provocation. And in some ways, stand up comedy is the least likely um, platform to talk about sexual assault. And therein lies the trick of the success of Mm -hmm. combining them Mm -hmm. um that it would allow that if i could pull that off that if i didn't pull it off it would be a fucking disaster (laughs) but that if i could pull it off and you did and i did big time it would be a a a much more interesting way to to sneak that information into less suspecting places Mm -hmm. which is pretty fucking brilliant um so what you did was you took a lot of rape jokes right yeah. would you can you explain that what you do I mean with the rape I, you know that the stuff? whole I mean now we're a little more used to looking at the term yeah. unpacking the term rape jokes but there were so many things I, I just thought like of course it will ne- I mean to me at least it will never be funny to joke about the act or to joke about the victimization mm-hmm. while we heard tons of dudes at the time actually making that mm-hmm. joke over and over and over and over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Like Daniel Tosh. All those dudes. Yeah. Yeah, all those idiots. And guys. it was always, I mean, there were many things about it that, so first and foremost, I was like, there is much to critique and satirize around this topic from a very different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
even though it, there's nothing funny at its core, you can satirize the perceptions of masculinity around that. Right. In a way that was, you know, a, a circus of possibilities to me. <laughs> and, and it was sort of fascinating to me that our misogyny is so internalized that nobody could even imagine you could make a different joke about it that wasn't at the expense of victims. And right. it, th- that in and of itself right. seemed like a di- dire situation. Right. You know, I, I had people who, um, you know, I certainly made that show and knew I could, quote, joke about it uh, with a place of authorship that I would be allowed mm-hmm. in that comedy rule way of like, mm-hmm. maybe you can get away with a joke about something pretty dangerous if you have like a first person relationship and you're punching up. Right. 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 Uh, um, you know, at the same time, it made me just like sort of annoyed that so many dudes were making so many of basically the same joke and yet calling themselves edgy. And I was like, it's literally not edgy if you're all making the same joke, you guys. So you actually <laughs> redid those jokes yourself, right? Yeah. I mean, I think I just had my own jokes coming mm-hmm. about it because I think I did, you know, sometimes cleverly and appropriately and sometimes inappropriately use humor to, you know, dispel tension or heal or all those things. But it was, was it mostly, I mean, I saw parts of it, but was it mm-hmm. mostly stand up? Yeah, it's an hour of stand up. Stand, it was yeah. all stand up. Yeah. Right? I mean, I also didn't wear pants, which was, of course, oh, like right. a whole other <laughs> layer to it and how it was received. But, yeah. Um, I mean, it got a huge, huge amount of attention. And that was like, you wrote all that, obviously. Yeah. So was that like the first time you did stand up uh, professionally like that? Yeah. So was that insane? I think so. I mean, as part of the, as a half of the Vow Vow Sisters, which is our like um, comedy cabaret circus thing, where which for us, for me and uh, Tanya Gagne, we just, for that whole project, just gave ourselves license to do anything that we thought mm-hmm. would be funny mm-hmm. or interesting to us, whether mm-hmm. we could do it or not. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd had a pretty solid what? amount of time on stage being funny with my mouth. <laughs> right. You know? And you you're obviously great at relating to an audience. And that's what I think is most important in any. Yeah. But, right? you know, the, the ability like, to relate to an audience in a, yeah. in a way that. But the the, you know, the bravery and security and the yeah. tennis match of having a partner on stage. Right. To volley and right. then go to the audience is a very different. It's very yeah. different than solo stand up. You made yourself really, really vulnerable. And um. So how was that? That must have been like, well, what what comes to my mind is how healing that must have been. Yeah, what, totally. Like, but what it what was that like? Like, was it? What did that feel like? Um, I I mean, it felt like lots of different things. Um, like for one, I just was very eager to see what it was like to do a solo. Mm-hmm. And to try stand up, even separate from, you know, the sort of absurdity of the project mm-hmm. um, as a as a performer, as and as an artist, I think I don't think I would have made a show like that 10 years mm-hmm. earlier. Like, I do think I knew that I was in a mature enough place as an artist to pull mm-hmm. that off at mm-hmm. no great risk to myself mm-hmm. or my career that I would yeah. do it. I would do it right. And it would therefore 
succeed. I wasn't just like a a too young artist trying a too big idea without the the chops to pull it off. You were ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it was really thrilling. Um, Yeah, it must have been. Did you feel like you were able to exercise or exorcism, whatever that word is, get rid of some of that or like process some of the feelings that you had from the trauma that you went through? I think so. I mean, it didn't, I never went on stage with that agenda. Right. You know, like I, I was just doing a show that I thought was really smart that definitely had some personal urgency, but Mm -hmm. um, it's not, you know, it doesn't behave like an autobiographical show. Right. Um, Right. It's, but I, but yeah, it's not lost on me that like standing up with no pants on and a microphone and getting to say whatever you want for an hour is probably healing for somebody who, when they said no, wasn't hurt at all. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like, you know, what the, you know, incident along with what you went through as like an athlete and a lot of other things, um, you know, it isn't one, it isn't just like what what one thing it seems like you're somebody that's very physical and what it really Mm -hmm. means to be like, it's really funny to be a physical female and be, you know, a small stature as at the same Mm -hmm. time, because it's like, you're so powerful and you're so in your body, but then at the same time, you still have all that vulnerability because you're female and you're, short yeah (laughs) yeah i yeah i mean mean, it puts you in a weird situation in society right yeah i think so and you know i can look at all kinds of my physicality from very different logics that i think all collide and make sense like i think i got into circus because i was always like a little monkey like Mm -hmm. i could always flip upside down try a trick off a diving board and Mm -hmm. it would be all right you know, Mm -hmm. and I think it seemed fun. Like my body loves doing that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Circus is so much cooler than gymnastics because it's like the politics around it are much cooler. Mm. There's all different body sizes are required, all different skill levels. Terrible for girls, right? Yeah. Yeah. Were you subjected to that stuff? Like being the right, wearing those girly, girly outfits and Did you resent that or what was that like? I don't think it was a great fit for me. Yeah. Yeah. I just not like that. Not really like that. But I love to do the tricks. Mm -hmm. And I love the other, you know, Mm -hmm. my girlfriends who also did the tricks. (laughs) But so I, so on the one hand, I think I did circus because it was fun. It was in, it's a, it's a thing you practice in community. It's like glamorous to be on a trapeze. Yeah, of course. You know, it's like and and I can also recognize that, like, there are things about that, like, physicality that involves danger and risk, but mm. you're in charge of it. Mm-hmm. And it's celebratory mm-hmm. instead of traumatic. Mm-hmm. You know, I can see that there are probably those uh, narratives embedded in some mm-hmm. of those choices, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do feel, I feel like when I was younger, the art I made was, um, I think the words would be maybe too easily used but like it was slightly more abstract it was certainly more distanced from from my making was a little more random mm-hmm. and as i um get older and maybe mm-hmm. maybe better at my craft mm-hmm. um and maybe know myself more i am mm-hmm. more willing to be more forthright about what i'm making and why 
mm-hmm. when it serves me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't always like to make work that's like, I'm going to like with wild boar, like, why is the rule that you can't talk back to your critics? And like, what, how does that function? And does that function in my favor mm-hmm. as a, you know, ex- feminist who makes queer experimental work? Does it function in my favor not talk, not to talk back to a body of critique that maybe isn't interested in seeing the work that me and other people do? That's not actually serving me. So I feel smart enough at this stage in my making to collaborate with the right people to make a very clever piece to dismantle that and to talk back on, right. on our behalf about Be- our own art. Because critics uh I mean, the authority that critics have, uh, well, I mean, anybody in a create, any creative field, uh, we all have, we all know what critics, the role that critics play. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's horrible. Well, I mean, some of it's good and some of it's bad, but it creates politics. Yeah. And like the marriage of genuinely engaged critique Mm-hmm. with with right. work is amazing and important and incredible right. and benefits the maker the the critic and the audience right but when that when that exchange is shortchanged by embedded misogyny and racism and homophobia then that exchange limits the artist and the audience incredibly right. and and you're right like no one ever stands up to those people because they're afraid well, and it also, you know, as an artist, you run the risk of sounding like you're complaining or bitter or bitter or like and, not getting enough. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like the when we made Wild Boar and I made that I piece love that with them. Um, yeah. Thank you for coming uh, with Ursula Martinez, who's a mm-hmm. London based maker mm-hmm. and uh, Zoe Coombs Mar, who's Sydney based. Mm-hmm. And we met each other at all these different festivals right. doing our weirdo work mm-hmm. and succeeding enough to survive and also dealing with this very, you know, these particular um, trends in critique around ah, female because- experimental weirdo work. Oh. And eventually we were like, let's just fucking do it. Especially because, you know, we're, I mean, Zoe's uh, in her thirties, but yeah. we're, we're all we all felt we're accomplished. accomplished enough. You're all accomplished, you, and especially you, yeah. doing it as a trio. trio right. Nobody was going to be able to say like that's pathetic. Right. No one gets or cares about right. their work. Shut up. Were you able to get <laughs> the message out in a way that you found satisfying, or did you get any? You know, did you get any? I did read Run Critic. That were I read something about your, your show in New York that was really interesting, written by mm-hmm. a critic. But did you get you got some good feedback, or how did that? Yeah, we've gotten great feedback. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it, I think it felt good to all of us to just uh-huh. say it and be like, "That's what we think about what you don't understand." Mm-hmm. Well, you you actually don't understand it sometimes. You, we're actually able to get something done and communicate yeah. to the critics and I some think, critics. Right? Yeah, and you know we've Which gotten. Review. I mean, overall, the reviews have been great yeah. for that show. Yeah, we've also gotten them across the board. Yeah, for all the reasons that the show is about. Right. Um, we've had some critics who have jumped into the game that we played with that by mm-hmm. giving us like extraordinarily florid, gruesome language that's just hilarious, and then giving us five stars as well. Oh, that's I love. You that. know, like really playing the same game that so, like 
So it's got a meta aspect where you really did have yeah. that kind of like you did have the satisfaction of having that kind of drawing in the critics and having that. Yeah. And I know some some critics. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll I know I'll finish this up. I know some critics who are genuinely deeply challenged by it oh, and, and yeah. really self-interrogated oh, yeah. oh, in yeah. a really gorgeous way. That's so And I cool. feel like especially like when we did it somewhere like Edinburgh where, you know, people are living and dying every day on reviews from anyone from like Lynn Gardner in The Guardian to some chump who showed up for free tickets and drink tickets and has never seen theater, but just <laughs> likes comedy or, you know, like, yeah, right. So when we were doing it there, I, that, I think maybe for all of us, I don't know if I can speak for everyone, but it really did feel like we had actually done something. It felt like we were excavating some kind of space for mm-hmm. a lot of younger, queer, Obvious. female presenting, whatever experimenters who were like fuck yeah thank you now i like you know i'm gonna keep doing the thing that makes sense to me oh that's wonderful see that's so great for the whole that's great for all artists everywhere i mean that's a great (laughs) thing that it's been a service to all artists but (laughs) no i mean it's good um i mean that's a really hard thing to think through and be productive about for god's sakes and you must have uh, you must have been a hero in certain ways there. Were they all, were the other performers like all like they must have they must have been really appreciative. Yeah, way, I mean, right? I I think there's a certain kind of performer who really knows exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, and I you know I think that was yeah. maybe a moment of feeling more like an elder in the community. You know, right. like someone who's been around the tracks right. for. 15 or 20 years sticking up for your peeps. Yeah. And it was, you know, you know, we only have mm. a few minutes left. We've got six minutes. It's been so fun. It went so fast, but I, I, your work is just so fascinating. And I just want to make sure that we get a little peek of what, what's coming or where Mm. your thinking is going. I know you're going to Australia. You're Uh going to be doing a show there, but um, just like, where are you in your head as far as looking at the future and your work and your creative yeah. development? Uh, I'm about to hop on a plane in a few days to go do some work at, uh, show some work at on the boards in Seattle, this festival of solo work they have, mm-hmm. uh, next week. That's exciting. Um, I'm performing with the Bearded Ladies Cabaret in Wellington, New Zealand, if anyone's going to be there, but That's cool. in New York, my ongoing home for, for, like the next project, it tends to be Joe's Pub. Which is the best place yeah, in New York to it's perform. Amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, where, you know, it's so funny hearing you talk because it seems like you've sort of excavated a lot of your issues with men and misogyny. And now you've excavated some of your issues <laughs> with, uh, you know, being being a theater artists and the critics and mm. stuff like that. And I wonder if you have anything left. <laughs> I do. Oh yeah. Uh, I what, do. What I, do you, where, where, where are you going next? The next solo or what's project on your head? I'm working what's in on your head. Yeah. Is thinking about genius and like how, how notions of genius or greatness in the arts, like who defined it? And, ah, and for fascinating. I mean, not that I'm interested in being whether or not I right, am a right, genius, I get but that. looking around, I think especially in a post Me Too way of like, what what's your thoughts about that? Do you think men are awarded that? Is it a male female thing? Is it a critic thing? Or what? What's like where where are you coming from? Uh, 
I think it's pretty unexamined in a lot of ways. Like who decides who's who, a genius? Yeah, what kind of performance, what, what kind of behavior mm-hmm. is deemed mm-hmm. genius? You know, the the narrative of like somehow excusing the behavior of, you know, male geniuses uh-huh. of um, assuming that their bombastic performances are good. Uh-huh. Is there any particular <laughs> example that you can that you have that you could give us? Of a somebody who's considered a genius who might not. Um, I can, I'm, I'm totally blanking on yeah, the, on the you're painter. On the spot. I was reading about, but I was just you know there was a, <laughs> the, there was some sentence that I read that was like, God, I can't believe I can't remember who it was. That's Visual right. artist. No, it's because you're right on the spot. You're I am on, right on the spot. <laughs> and you but it was have basically like, to- <laughs> like he was in. You know, it was like one of these guys who has like a young um, female protege who's as oh. talented, but is only understood as a protege, right. not an influencer. Right. And it was saying something like he was so committed to his work, he was incapable of performing daily tasks. Oh. And I was like, I bet he wasn't. I bet he could wipe his own ass. Like he might not have done the dishes like that. You know, that kind of like taking up space and affording people that kind of like, but I don't know. It just, it it seems wildly unexamined for where we are in the world. That like, and that's a current. That's that sounds yeah. like Pablo Picasso yeah, in the twenties, but yeah. no, it's current. It's current, and you know, oh, that's sad. people who are like, I don't know, the whole narrative around anti-heroes and these like sort of assholes we've been taught to watch for hours at a time on screen. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like yeah. just grumpy old yeah. pains in the ass. Well, that you are like, seem, but incred- he never played piano. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I I think I think that um one of the like it's I have the feeling that like um a lot of your work is actually so on point uh and so um has so much integrity really is because I don't feel like your ego is that involved in it. I feel like mm. it's really you're making work that you are motivated to make mm. for whatever reason. It's not about like, you know, how who, what people are going to think of you or how much, how much power you can get, what you're going to get out yeah, of it. That's and I think, not- I think that's very, folks, this is key. <laughs> this is what is so rare about Adrian. Seriously, this is very, very rare. And that's why the work is so great. And that's why she is fucking earning a living traveling around the world, making mm-hmm. this shit. So don't forget about that. Stick around this afternoon. Thanks so much for being Thanks, here. I've Lisa, enjoyed it immensely. Great. Thank you so and, much for um, So stick around. We've got uh, Lost and Rewound right after this, which is really funny talk, interview, music. And we've got Ben. We've got Ben. Ben talks. I Yay. love Ben. And so much other stuff. And go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Yeah.